Oh, Alex Rance isn't a one-on-one defender. Plays on Dugowie in a preliminary final, gets four goals kicked on him. Mm. It's, it's just your experience of playing in the game. People think you hate on this and hate on it. No, it's just fact. It's football fact. <laughs> Ricky Nixon, welcome to the Lace Out Podcast. How are you? Very well, Chris. How are you? I'm pumped, mate. I've been looking forward to this for the last week after we got in contact. And I'll speak to my um, my co-host, Jamie, and see if you've got any questions about what you want to ask, etc. And funny enough, one of the questions that he's come up with, and I want to start with this, is that <laughs> you are a Golden Square boy, correct? That's right. I uh, started my football in Bendigo when I was 10. It's actually a quite a funny story. I think this is where I got my management um, um, from. And that was, I was at school in grade four, and I must have been showing a bit of sporting ability. And one of the, the older kids in grade five said, if you come to football training tonight, we'll give you a sunny boy as a reward. So I went to training and they gave me a sunny boy and the rest is history. They, couldn't get, they couldn't get the football off me. And these days, for the kids who, are, who don't actually know what a sunny boy is, right. ask your mum and dad. And if it was yeah. one of the ones with a lucky in it. Or, or a glug. Or the glug or the yeah. raz. Or the raz, that's um, it. You're onto it. As a, and that's where you got... Draft, oh, not drafted, but that's where you got recruited. Well, yeah, from. it was funny. Once again, a young kid was asking me this week, um, Did you get draft? What number were you drafted? I said, There's no draft in my day. It was zoning, and the uh, I was in Carlton zone, so it didn't matter. I barracked for St Kilda. You had to play for Carlton, you had no choice unless they overlooked you, which a good example of that was my best mate at the time, a little fat kid, Greg Williams, who went on to win two Brownlows. He, he got rejected by Carlton four times. And then Geelong took him, and the rest is history. The rest is history. And the thing is, you know, and, and it was one of the things I was, I was, I was thinking about while, while I was waiting for you, because we're in Port Melbourne, I must admit, it is quite a nice neck of the woods. Yes. One of the um, things I was thinking about is, not, not about your career, but if you ever look at kids who come in these days, and a lot of it, you know, obviously talented enough to get drafted, but it always comes down to, oh, they weren't developed right, or they weren't... Whose responsibility in your eyes from the development side of things? Is it the club? Well, is it the player? Is it 50-50? Uh, yeah, pointing the finger at this or that or anything is just guesswork. The greatest thing that's changed is the world. And the trouble is they're victims or call them what you like of the world. I mean, when I grew up, I started working when I was 12 or 13, doing a paper round. Then I started packing groceries at Coles. I had to earn my own living. Parents never gave you any money back in those days and all my friends were the same. You had to actually learn to live on your own and you know, you had to deal with um, stress and things like that. And then when I played football, Greg Williams and I played senior football at 16, we're up against men. You know, these days they come through these junior ranks, they don't face, I look at Carlton and the slagging off their copping. They've got kids playing for them. Like, give them another year and you watch them in the space of three games will go from zero to 100 miles an hour. Yeah, and, it's, and the funny thing is, is that people don't have patience anymore. No, and everyone just expects things to happen overnight. And, you know, with Carlton, the first, I said this today and no one's, no one's beaten me down on it on Twitter, is there's only three clubs who have been in every game so far this year. That's Geelong, St Kilda and Carlton. And Carlton hasn't won a game. Would Yet you, every other club... Would you throw Gold beaten, Coast in there as well? Yeah, but they've been beaten by more than 20 points in a game. Um, yeah. Or they've lost games, you know. So they're the only three clubs that have been in it every Fair game. Enough. Yeah, when you put it that way, it, it, I've been a massive fan of them. Like, you know, Bolton keeps going on about his, his green shoots and all that yep. sort of stuff, etc., and so forth. But, yep. mate, oh, I just see them and I look at them. They've just got, they're, they're building. And it's like, I think they did the right thing. I've said it before on, on the podcast where Melbourne went back. They realised they couldn't do the, the easy way. They had to go back to the draft, yep. go through the rough yards, and now it's starting to pay, yep. you know. I think the, the problem is, is that the clubs are at no end. I know a lot of the recruiting guys, and they don't know what to do. Recru- are, we, are we recruiting footballers or are we recruiting blokes who can just put pressure on? Are we recruiting athletes? 
What are we recruiting for? I mean, back in the day, you recruited the best footballers. Simple as that. Well, we don't recruit them anymore. We have we? a game. I watched a game on the weekend, Hawthorne St Kilda. There was a goal in it at the end. It was the most boring game I've ever been to, and everybody around me agreed, apart from St Kilda supporters, when the siren went and were very joyous. But even as they walked out, they went, how bad was that game, Ricky? I said, it's just not unwatchable at the moment. Well, even on the radio this morning, I was listening to SCN, because it took me an hour and 45 minutes to get to work this morning, so I went through every <laughs> oh, radio station. It was, it was a quick trip. And even um, the question was poised, would you take a centre-half forward or a centre-half back? Yeah. And when the response, uh, Gary Lyon said centre-half forward, Tim Watson went centre-half back, I'm like, so obviously defence now is more important than mm. attack. And when, yeah. when the game's going that way... All the game's doing is it's keeping off. The ball progresses forward anywhere between 20 metres and 70 metres, and then it gets turned over, and it goes back 50, 20 metres. Then it gets turned over, and it goes back again. And there's no power marking, there's no kicking, goal kicking, there's no you know key matchups down forward, one-on-one contest. I looked at Hawthorne's structure last last week, and they lost a game, I reckon, because they only had one on the bench for half a game, so they couldn't, didn't have the rotation, so they ran out of le- legs at the end. But they didn't even man up on any player. They just have this six-and-six six structure where there's 20 metres to the ball. And, and Geelong were the team that perfected this in 2008 or 9, where you stand 20 metres off your man. But the time the ball travels, even a 20 metre pass, you can make that distance up. Yeah. So you don't play one-on-one like it used to be. And it's completely different when you were playing. Yeah, because you, know, you, you started playing, and you were talking about boys, like you, you debuted at 20 yeah. at Carlton, played yep. a few games there, obviously most notably known for your yep. time. Yep. And you look at some of the beasts that were playing then, it was all oh. one-on-one football. I had a Absolutely. look at a few of the highlights. You got to play with the great man, Tony Lockett, as well? Yeah, well, look, he's a good example of one-on-one. He just was stronger and more powerful and fantastic. Probably the best kick for goal I've seen. Um, And certainly just all you did when you played with Plugger was you just got the ball and just kicked it over your head sideways, doesn't matter, in his direction, and he would win it. I mean, these days, you'd have Alex Rance intercepting from the side and Dylan Grimes coming from over the back. And, you know, there'd be three blokes up against him, not one-on-one. Well, you've had a bit of a... Uh, a bit of a view on Rance over the for the time from obviously the social media profile. Do you, do you rate him? Do you don't rate him? What, what's oh, my, my comment is just simply this: I think he's a sensational footballer. I think he's probably the best intercept mark I've ever seen. Um, he's an athlete, he's a, but he's not a one-on-one defender. And people can say he's the greatest defender of all time, and I take offence to that. He's not the greatest defender of all time. He's one of the best players of all time. But the position and the game's changed, and I think the way Alex plays. Is, is great for Richmond, but also clubs have worked him out a bit in the last probably six months of last year and, and, and the start, well, this year he only lasted one game. So, so and I've been, look, I'm 44, so 43, and if I had to look at the best fullbacks, there's two that really stand out from when I've watched it, which was Steve Silvani, the fact that he went from forward down the back. Yeah. But I think the one that really stands out, he's, he is my age, was Dustin Fletcher, because you have a look at the names that he had to play on. Yeah. And he wasn't exactly a big well, unit. When you think about it, he was the first athlete to play. He played off his man a bit, and probably he probably played two or three metres off his man, whereas Geelong, as I said, started to stand 10 metres off their man. Um, and, you know, Richmond and other teams have perfected it, and they all play like that. McGovern has won a grand final for West Coast Eagles by playing off his man. When the ball came forward to go, he went backwards. Did he follow his man? No, he didn't. He followed his instinct, intercepted the mark, kicked it forward, they won the game. Because if you're a fullback now and you look... You know, you're walking down with your t- with your back six down to the full ba- full forward line. Yeah. As a full forward, who would you fear? Oh, nah. In my eyes, there's no... Probably you know, only Buddy, but that's... And he, Buddy's a totally different player to the forwards of the 90s and 80s and all that, you know. The, the days of Warwick Kappa Speckies are gone, and, 
you know, I think it's a shame we've lost, we've got robots. I mean, I listened to four player interviews in a row last night on Fox Footy and just it was putrid to listen to. It's just, we've got to lift our pressure game. Uh, we've, we've got to realise that we've got to play to our tactical instructions. And if we man up and, and if we do this and that, and so, have you ever thought of kicking goals and winning the game? It is, it is a complete wank. And you, can just, yeah. and you can just see it like, I think one of the best things, like you were on open mic 2000 and. Well, I think yep. it was a long while ago, and I think one of the and I, I don't mind watching boring. it. Boring, boring. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't. I enjoyed the conversation, but I thought it was too one-sided towards oh. once again the negative side of things. But if not it bleeds, once, not once was I asked about how did you get into play match? How did you manage all these players? It's always why did you do this? Why did you do that? And I say, hang on, you're asking me that because that's what the rep- meters reported. What if I said I didn't do any of it? You wouldn't yeah. want to hear that answer. And, and when I spoke to a few of the boys that you know I was having a chat here, I said I don't, I really don't want to know about that stuff. You know, I want to know, you know, what stage during your playing career did you go? You know what? I can see something here. What about player management? It doesn't seem to be, I don't know, in your eyes, what was a player manager in, in your playing days? Yeah, it, didn't sort of, it didn't really recreate it like that. It was more on the back of, um, uh, I didn't say, oh, they're doing a bad... There was already player managers before me, but what it was, was a bloke Michael Jordan caught my eye in America. Yeah. And because this young kid, Wayne Gary, was running around, I said he could be the next Michael Jordan here. And I got it right. And, you know, the, the fact, it was timing as well. The BFL just became the AFL. And so it became a national competition. So instead of sponsors appealing to Victorians only, it appealed to Australia. So suddenly, and then a year later, a company called Foxtel came along, you know, and they didn't have the AFL rights, Optus did. So they came to me and said, well, you've got all the players. We'll give you a million dollars a year just to, you know, distribute amongst the players. I mean, Wayne Carey was earning half a million dollars off the field in 2000. These days, the most any players earn off the field is about 100 grand. Which says to me, the game's game's got a lot to answer for in respect to how we're promoting the stars of the game. Well, it's interesting because one of the questions I was going to find out because I think you started flying start at the age of 30, 31. Yeah, is it right? Yep. Who was who was the one that you go right? Was Wayne the one you went right? If I get him, I've got an idea because Club Ten, like I, the, the biggest Club Ten thing that I, I remember is that iconic picture. I think it might have been in Burke Street. With I mean, I think the two, and they, they are the two greatest players of all time, but very different players. I, I think Wayne Carey's the greatest player by a mile, but yeah. the most freakish and most attractive player to watch that you'd spend 10 out of 10 tickets on is Gary Ablett yeah. Senior. Yeah. And the rest are a lot of distance back. Plugger's probably up there. Yeah. Um, but um, what it was was more that Carey, I, I actually got this deal to do this um, calendar that a lady was doing in Sydney of the rugby players, a season, a season of players, uh, right? Uh, Janu- Janu- Men of all seasons Men of all seasons, that's it. Yeah, mum and she asked that. me to do the, the um, <laughs> AFL players. And what it was was because I didn't, no one was even managing some of these big names. Even Wayne Carey didn't have a manager. Is I paid them suddenly $1,500. Now, that was like 15000 At that stage, in- yep. And it's like, oh, I might go into this player management. It seems pretty easy. So it just started from nothing, really. But and then when you get a phone call from a bloke called Gary Ablett saying, I heard you weren't Wayne Carey 100 grand last year. Um, would you, could you do that for me? I said, of course I can. Hung up and went, oh, my God, I'm in trouble now. And I got this call from this guy saying he's from Lombards of Paper People. Do you manage Gary Ablett? I said, yeah, yeah, been managing him for 10 years. He said, oh, mate, I want to do a life-size cardboard cutout of him. Would 50 grand be okay? I said, mate, try 100. He goes, done. I've gone, oh, winning, winning. <laughs> I've got to tell you a funny story about that just to finish off. I said to Gary, you've got to come to this photo studio on Sunday at 11 o'clock. He turned up at three. He was in the toilets, combing his one strand of hair. And Gary (laughs) Jr. and Nathan were 11 and 12 Mm. at the time. 
We're mucking around, knocked over a light stand. The photographer came running in. What the hell's going on? The Gary came running out. He said, that's it, Mr. Agent. He went out to his computer, printed off a picture of Gary taking the mark of the century. Yeah. gave it to the two boys. He said, there you go now. Piss off. The two boys said, Dad, Dad, can you autograph it? And Gary said, no. And I said, Gary, it's your own kids. He goes, no, I'm not signing it. The photographer's gone, that's it, Mr. Hotshot Agent. I'm taking these two kids out of the room. You don't fix this up in two minutes, 100 grand's off the table. I went, no, my new BMW's off the table. <laughs> I said, Gary, please sign it. He said, I'm not doing it, Rick. I said, please, it's your own kids. He said, I'm not doing it. I've been up to the school three times this week to see the principal. These two little pricks have been bringing home footy cards. I've been signing They've been selling them for 70 bucks. It gets better. I saw Gary Jr. probably 10 years later. I'm saying, Gary, what about that story about you selling um, cards of your dad selling for 70 bucks? He goes, Rick, it's absolute total crap. I said, so it's not true. He goes, no. I said, oh, fair enough. He goes, yeah, we'll sell them for 150. <laughs> chicken goes bang. So chicken goes bang. But was that the way it worked? Like, I, from my perception, it would have been you going out to the players and saying, this is what I can do. But was it the early days that obviously started with Wayne, then Gary? Was it then that the phone call well, started What happened, I actually or? posted it on social media the other day, is that I got um, Wayne, and, Wayne and Gary to do a handball competition at Meyer in the city for, and we got paid $400. Yeah. I gave them a two, 100 each, so 150, and I kept 100, right? And we we're hoping to get probably, you know, 200 people there. Ho- hopefully they don't hear this because then they <laughs> no, might they be chasing know. you. <laughs> anyway, this is true. We were hoping to get 200 there. Something like 3,500 people turned up. It was just unbelievable. You couldn't get into Maya. It was chockers. So Maya rang up the next day and said, Ricky, we've got 82 stores around Australia. We want to get you to do it in every store around Australia. How much will that be? And I said, oh, 100 grand. So they sent me a check the next day for 100 grand. And that, that was how it all kicked off, just and, massively. And, and was that just like... As so back in those days, where, where do you see players at shopping centres doing handball competitions with kids? You don't see it. Um, I mean, look, in fairness to current day players, is they're, they're, they're at the club all day, every day. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just a two for one. Has it, has, it got, has it gone too far? Yeah, it's gone like, too one far. One of the things I, I wanted to find out was, you know, when it, came, when it comes to talent, like when you're looking at people you want to bring on, where, where does it go? Does it go about... Do you look at their marketability or do you look at their what they are as a player? Because I think the marketability comes with the, the, the ability to play. I mean, what you've just got to do is make sure they stick to the personality they are. Too many people want to change them, and I, I totally disagree. If you try and make Gary Ablett, Wayne Carey, or Wayne Gary, yeah. you can't. They're who they are, and they're, they're elite, and they've got their own personalities. I mean, the greatest example of that was probably Doug Hawkins. I remember people wanted him to do media training and all this, and... As soon as he did and he started to pronounce words properly and, and, and be very straight down the line, it didn't work. And it, he needed it. He went back quickly to what he was and it was very successful. But that was him. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. And, Pete, and I think it, it seems to me that, and I don't know if it's just in a football world or corporate world, etc. They go through this whole massive interview process, etc. They bring him in through the door. Yeah. And then they want to change virtually everything that got them yeah. through the door to be something else. Yeah, and a lot of that's the same as when they get drafted. They get drafted for some skill set or weapon that they've got. And yet what beats me up all the time is I watch these kids then play and they're playing to some club you know, strategy or whatever else and not allowing the kid to be his natural self. And, and, and if, you, if I told you, some of the players at the moment who are restricted and they're playing, and if they played how they played in the TAC Cup or in junior footy, they could dominate for the Carltons and the Gold Coast Suns and the St Kilda's and all that that are down the bottom if they're allowed to play to their, their bloody ability. Yeah, you hear it a fair bit where they go, oh, they, you know, they've come, they've come, I don't know why they've been drafted, they can't kick, they can't mark. I don't know, but you probably obviously know better than I, but if you've got to that level, I'm tipping you can kick and I'm tipping you can mark, is that the, well, the way I the plan's built is they make mistakes, and that, I think that's the other thing too, is that 
you, you can't almost make mistakes these days. No, and, and Matthew Richardson's a good example. I remember he rang me and said, oh, I'm not going to make it, you know. I'm, I can't keep up with it. I'm sorry, I um, can't, can't kick as well, I can't mark as well. And I said, well, mate, but what can you do that's better than everyone else? He goes, oh, I'm the best runner here. I said, well, make that your weapon. So he became the best runner in the AFL. And, they, was, and he was the first player to really cover all lengths of the ground before Nick Rewalt came well, along. Well, that year that he almost won a Brownlow yeah, in a position. It's because he was such a phenomenal athlete. You know, he's six foot three or four and built fairly slim like myself and he, he you know an athlete and, and it's true though like i if i'd played when in this era i would dominate and that's not being egotistical but i played in the 80s 69 kilos playing on 120 kilo blokes one-on-one mm. and wondered why i missed 200 games through injury because every bone in my body got shattered every weekend i played but you could kick a barrel out of full back couldn't you <laughs> i was one of, if people don't realize i won sun kick once at the mcg and uh, it's quite a funny story is I won it and they presented me the trophy on the ground when it went inside and then they said, oh, we made a mistake. You lost by 10 centimetres. My dad's like, what do you mean? How can you say that after you've awarded him the trophy? And so he took the trophy off me and gave me a leather footy with sun kick. Oh, yeah, it. great. And yeah. you've probably still got that, haven't you? I have still got, it. still got it. It's gone flat. It's gone flat. Hey, what, in the 70s, I think. What was the... What was the what was the, oh, if you can share it, the, the most compl- the complicated deal, like the one that just, it took a while, but once it got over the line. Um, probably Ben Cousins coming over to Richmond. Yeah. Not so much complicated financially, but just complicated in respect to having people having different opinions of whether he was right to play. And, you know, I'd, I'll be up front now and say I didn't even know. I mean, if I had a Ben Cousins type player now having a coffee with me right here at this cafe we're sitting at, I would know within 10 seconds exactly what he's on or what he's doing or whatever yep. else. But back then I had no idea. And people would say, oh, that's crap. Well, you think about this yourself. 15, 20 years ago, would you have known if a mate was on prescription drugs or would you have known if he was doing cocaine during the day? Probably not. You'd know he's weird or you know he's acting strange. But no one knew back then. And um, you know, we, won't, we don't to this day know exactly what Ben was probably up to, but it's, it's, it's sad. But I think, you know, he's has got an opportunity right now to turn it around, but time will tell. I think it's one of those things that it's, it's not that you're naive, but if you, if you don't know what the symptoms are, if you don't yeah. know what... How can you tell it? You do hear, oh, did you know about this? Did you know about that? Like, I didn't see it. I just it's thought because that things are drugs, especially are very uh, much out there. You know, in, in you know every second person, even seventy, the highest uptake in the, in the world of drugs is uh, people over sixty is in Australia. Yeah. Now that says to me uh, they're accessible and you know they're more, way more around. I mean, I wouldn't have even known what drugs were when I played football. No. I'd never. The only thing I'd heard of was speed, and I didn't even know what it was. But even heroin or something wasn't even heard of in the eighties. I mean, I'm sure it was around. But these days, you know, you could probably go down most streets and buy ice and cocaine and things like that. And that's, that's the worry for kids coming through, isn't it? Well, I've got, I've got two young kids and my daughter's turning 11 this year. My, my son's eight. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm just like... I remember when I was growing up, the, the biggest thing was I had to worry about was which oval am I going to go and have a well, kick Greg at the Williams footy with? I used to sit in the Bendio Creek and dri- buy it. We used to, at 14, go and uh, buy, as I was pretty tall, a bottle of Blackberry Nip for yeah. $1.50. Nowadays, and, and these it's... Days, they're not buying Blackberry Nip or, the, or you know, a um, bottle of whiskey or oh, vodka. Oh, they're buying Blackberry Nip, but I'm tipping there's something that's yeah. extra in the nip. Yeah, that's right. It's, and it's um, rat poison and it's all sorts of stuff, you know, and it's... The, the time's come, when I know we're getting a bit off track here, but the decision's got to be made. Do we legalise some drugs, some mm. drugs, I'm saying, and emphasising the marijuanas and that? Or do we continue on the way we're going with people getting shot at nightclubs two nights ago? Clearly, when the people in the car, in a stolen car, they're off their heads on ice. You know? It's, it's a worry. But it, it, it's, it's the worst thing. When, when you couple that up with all you know, the social media yeah. side of things, I was chatting to some people at work today, and we said, you know, what we used to do in a day's work 
yep. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you're doing it in one hour now. Yeah. Like if I need to send something yeah, over to the other side. So it's just, we, we don't have the patience anymore. It's just well, so this rapid. this is the worry that people talk about mental health in the world and it, all, the amount of young people in their 20s with mental health problems and people say, but why? What's changed? It's in the food. I said, no, what's changed is this world is so stressful now to live in. I mean, when I grew up, all I can remember is being happy having great fun. I never had one stressful day in my life, ever, until I started playing at Carlton and, you know, you'd be nervous, but you weren't even, I didn't have anxiety, I didn't stress, but now every second person's got anxiety and depression, and I reckon it's to do with basically the stress of living in this world, and social media is, a, is, is the a biggest bit, influence. Because you are quite passionate, and you're not afraid to, to get stuck into people on, on yep. Twitter or Facebook. Is there something that stood out so far to you that, like this is just it's you know something that started off as a bit of banner and has just blown up into something worse i think the thing is is that people at the start might have thought i hated on collingwood originally but then what i say they go actually no you're right you got it right that's like last year richmond aren't the best team and get beaten by 10 goals in the preliminary final you're right oh you were right oh alex rance isn't a one-on-one defender plays on the goalie in a preliminary final gets four goals kicked on him is it's just your experience of playing in the game people think you hate on this and hate on it no it's just fact it's football fact uh, you at the start of the year you did a top a top 18 and you gave a sort of a reason why every every team and i had a bit of a look at that this uh this afternoon well, some of the things that you wrote i'm yeah. like looking back on when i looked i went yeah i'm a melbourne supporter so i know that yeah. you know they're either on or they're off but there were some things that you wrote where we're just what well, it no is no one ever is, said is that except nah. People pick up now, the first few years when I did it four or five years ago, they, they're like, oh, that's crazy. And then they're going, hang on, he keeps getting it reasonably right. You can't get 100% right, of course you can't. But I tipped a, an all-interstate grand final, West Coast Eagles and GWS, and as we stand here at round four or five, the two clear best teams by a mile yep. are West Coast Eagles and GWS. Doesn't mean they will be at the end of the year, but at the moment, I'm on, on the money. Do you get excited by the way football is at uh, the... M- do you- I've been to probably, uh, be lucky to have been to 10 games in five years yeah. I used to go to either watch or go to eight games a weekend um, now that's not because that's for a few reasons is, is just I just don't uh, every person I speak to ex-player who's over probably 40 says the same there's not one I've met who goes no it's great it's fantastic you know that sort of thing so you know it's um, yeah it's um, it's at an interesting stage I just hope they <laughs> hope they can uh, fix it up you are an absolute superstar <laughs> really. people waving left right and centre tapping on the window saying oh, do you think um do you think it'll has it got too corporate? Like, has it gone too far from the to the corporate side of things? Look, I, I think the biggest thing, and I've said this for ages, is that uh, <laughs> we've got fans outside who want to join the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mention you. Yeah. Okay. No worries. <laughs> um, yeah. What was I saying? Um, yeah. I've said for ages that the thing is you can't let the ball go backwards because yeah. um, uh, that's what that's what makes all this you know low scoring and everything else. So yeah. we're going live, mate. So what are we talking about here, Rick? Football, I'm, I'm mate. I'm sure I can put in a two ball. <laughs> we've just been joined by a member of the public in the cafe <laughs> as we're going live on we radio. We certainly have. It's, um, yeah. We're just having a bit of a chat to uh, Ricky just about the career, uh, etc., and so forth. Listen, I'm so sorry to barge in on this conversation. And, uh, yeah. and what are we talking about here, lads? Oh, we're just having a bit of a chat. Just, just uh, I wanted to hear from Rick just about his, his career, manager, all that sort of stuff. But more importantly, we're just chatting about what what he likes about football and what he doesn't like about football at the moment. Ah, well, listen, in that respect, I've got no doubt in saying he's absolutely fucking passionate about <laughs> his football. <laughs> you got that right. Passionate <laughs> about his team. Yeah. And listen, all the other argy-bargy personal stuff, like, isn't that meant to be laid in his hands? 
Well, like his personal stuff. Why should that be put out to the public? Well, what I just said to him is what I can't, can't I, understand and what I don't agree with. Couldn't That's care what less. He was, yeah, and, and, he was saying basically. What, what about yourself? How, how do you feel about this? Couldn't care less. Because any, no, you don't give a fuck. I, I, I don't oh, care sorry, about. I no, no, that's right. That's no, right. What he was saying was he was agreeing with I you. I was agreeing. With, I don't care yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I, I, we can we can fix that. No, but I don't. I, when I when I spoke to Ricky, I said, look, I don't care about all the argy bargy, and I don't care about that stuff because you can well, find that. What I don't that doesn't that doesn't get me excited at all. What gets me excited is you know what made people wake up in the morning, or more importantly, like excited. what what gets him excited about. We've had a bit of a chat about oh, you know, know people going. I know anyway, oh, from a football perspective. <laughs> language, <laughs> language. Yeah. But I think it was just more about you know what, what made him get into what he does, and you know because I'm a I'm a football oh, lover well, of the listen, '80s and you, '90s. If and you're a football lover, like I'm sure you're you're aware of, of where like he's a passionate passionate supporter. And he's got his team, and he, he follows them fucking through and through and through. So, like, why would you even try and argy bargy against oh, those sort of claims? No, nah, doesn't 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 do anything for me, mate. People have got lives, and that's their lives. And yeah. I think we I think we focus too much on the negative and not the positive. Yeah. And there's so many positive things to talk about, and that's where yeah. that's where we've gone. Well, mate, we're gonna get on with this. But good to see you, champ. Sorry, Rick. No worries, mate. It's all good. See you, mate. I didn't mean to take over. That's it's fine. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate it. See you, mate. Boys. See you, mate. Oh, superstar. <laughs> um, now, that's not going to be one of the most interesting podcasts ever. No, I'll go we, uh, no well, funny enough, I'll actually might put that as a bit of a tease. Oh. This will be, that'll be the teaser. But um, oh, sort of hard. Where were we before we got into uh, it? No, we were, I was actually saying that the thing that frustrates me is, you know, you put in this 666 rule and you want to change it. The simple thing that would change the whole game tomorrow is no kicking backwards. Yes, you can handball backwards, but no kicking backwards. And people go, oh, I bet it's a bit hard to judge if it's 50-50. I say, yeah, but you know what? Unless it's obviously backwards, just call play on. Just play on, So play should, you on. Just, should you just make the rule, if you kick it backwards you and take it a backwards, mark, it's a free kick against you. Anywhere? Anywhere. Like even, yep. in, even in the back 50 yep. as, as long well? as it's obviously backwards. Yeah. Or, or the alternative is, and, it, and it's not quite as full on, is if you kick backwards, it's play on. So when you kick it backwards and you mark it in, the, say, the goal square, someone's kicked it back from a half-back flank, and you're going to go around the other side of the ground. Yeah. It's play on. And that way, play the opposition can attack you. But at the moment, they all stand back waiting for his kick to come to half-back flank again. Well, will that do the opposite, where they know that they're going to play on, so they might as well just flood, flood back the other way? Well, it, it means you're going to have to attack and attack down the middle, which means that creates a one-on-one contest inside 50, and we might get back to some real footy. It was funny, you know, we were chatting about open mic a little bit earlier, and I think one of the best ones I heard was... Uh, I don't know if he was one of your ex-teammates, Mark Jacko Jackson. Was no, he, I didn't you play there with him. him? Uh, no, Jacko, and uh, he's an interesting cat. He's, but yeah. he just ripped into yeah. the AFL, and, and I think the refreshing part about it was is that he said that the AFL are the, you know, the custodians of the game, but they shouldn't yeah. be the ones who are changing the rules. There should be a separate committee for the rules. Cause it seems I, I to actually be think that's got some merit. I think it's, you know, a gr- the thing is that worries me is they got a group together last year, and, you know, they put on people... You know, someone who's off the project. I mean, please. Oh, but he's a supporter and we just want to get a supporter's view. No, get some people who've got some entrepreneurial sporting background who have been successful at making marketing the game. Get them to tell you what the rules should yeah, be because not, they understand what the supporters want. You're not putting your hand up for that one at all? Well, I told them what I thought about the women's football and that was go slow, don't go silly and promote it. And over, you'll just get so much negativity. What did they do? 
Well, you're the second person who said that in two interviews. The yeah. other one was Justin Charles, and he I mean, said don't exactly get me wrong. The, the women's thing. football, I love it, I, and I'm, I'm involved with some girls helping them on yep. kicking at the moment, and I help coach a local team around here. But just steady up on the publicity. Just give it another year or two, and stop trying to over-promote it. You got to let you got to let it breathe a little bit Correct. organically, don't you? Let just it breathe and let it find its own feet. Don't tell us how good it is. Let us see it evolve into how good it can be. Yeah. And, you know, girls saying we should be paid the same as men, we pay the same. No, girls, do this. Get a group together of entrepreneurial sports people who can come up with ideas of how to generate you more money and then you share in it. Don't say we want a handout because a da- Patrick Dangerfield ain't taking an 80% pay cut to pay you. No. Especially, well, first and foremost, you don't pay to go and see the games anyway. It's no. all free to enter. Yep. Seven games of the year. Yeah, there's so many things. I think you're right that need to be. And they're going to another four teams next year. Yeah. Have they got the player base for another four teams? Yeah. I don't oh, know. look, I think women's football is going to be sensational, but it's going to be another five years. And the girls coming through have done os kick and all that. And it's credit to the AFL is fantastic. Their kicking skills are great. They understand the game. They know how to catch it. They know how to dodge, weave, yeah. tackle. Um, but please don't create a game that we, in five years' time we're watching women tackle, tackle, pressure, pressure, go backwards. They haven't got the skills to do that. And the game will just be no, you know, virtually no, non-existent scoring-wise. If we keep, I know the AFL are conscious of this yeah. and basically went to the women's coaches last year and said, please, no negativity. We want pro- play on footy, you know, straightforward. So, but how come they don't do that with the men? But, you know, what, what annoys me is people just see the senior level in fo- AFL. Yeah. At the under-12... Um, ball and North under 12s the coach is saying now the way you know Richmond structure and Collingwood structure and West Coast we've got to structure the same and they're teaching this at under 12s and this is just making it you know this is making the, the future 10, 10 years from now players they're just going to be playing this crap footy well you played at Golden Square junior career as well yep. I don't know about you but when we were playing under 12s the coach was going there was about three point there was no whiteboards no. there was none of this it was the ball with the I can never remember any coach mentioning anything about pressure or tackling or anything else. It was just always kick it forward and get it to your forward who's leading out and get past for the handball and play on. Mine a 12 coach was handing out PK Chewies. Yeah, like even now, a a player takes a mark, you rarely see a player go past and deliver a handball off to the side. It's, It's... it's just this backwards all the time. Shepherds? The do you back. see shepherds anymore? The no, you don't you, see shepherds. You don't see shepherds. You're not allowed to bump. And if you hit a player in oh. the head, accidental or not, you're going to get weeks because yeah. of duty of care. But Eddie, but that's also gone completely. Like it's yeah. a contact sport, but they're trying to take the contact yeah. out of it. The Jesse Hogan one, I don't know if you saw it the other week, where it was just a one-on-one, just a bump into yeah. each other. Yeah. Three grand fine for doing something. But what people don't understand with that is they go, hang on, he accidentally bumped you and got him in the head. But the AFL has said, you have a duty of care whether it's accidental or not. We have to suspend you because when it goes to court in three weeks or three years, is the judge is going to say, Mr. AFL, what duty of care did you show to this player who's got concussion and lost his memory? And they'll say, well, we suspended the player who accidentally hit him in the head because we said you've got to avoid head contact. So the Jesse Hogan thing is absolutely spot on but it's an accident and i i agree it's just stupidity but guess what it's to do with future legal cases and there's no consistency with them like stephen may copped his for basically i've said i don't know the difference between a block a brace or a bump these well, you, days. you can't you can't in our game because you hit from 360 degrees at pace and and yeah you can't say whether the player was expecting it not expecting it it's it's just got to the point where it's the rules rules in soccer haven't changed in 150 no, years and every other major sport around the world. We change ours every year. Now, I think there was something, like, well, the last one, I, I think it was like in the last five years, there's been something like 24 different yeah, changes. Yeah. 
Soccer's had, what, the VAR? Not everybody gets that in. Uh, the only rules that have changed in soccer fundamentally are things like, you know, their interchange rules and things like that. But, you know, certainly heading the ball or handing the ball, or, you know, all that sort of thing. And, you know, obviously sometimes a penalty's arguable about the tackle, but yeah. there's nothing changed in the rules. Yeah. Hey, um, one of the final... Who, whose name made you shudder? You're laying in bed on Sunday morning... The phone rings. These days, it wasn't a smartphone. It might have been the old Nokia 2810. Yeah. And a phone number or, you know, five missed calls from this number first thing on a Sunday morning. My brother. Your brother? He's a senior detective. Oh, <laughs> no. no. I'm only joking. Um, no, the only ones that... Uh, look, no, I, I guess everyone always says, weren't you shocked when this or that happened? But I was always one of those, oh, OK, I better, better deal with it. I was never really that... Nothing... You know, there wasn't anything really... Even the Wayne Carey stuff, which I'm not going to go back over, no, it didn't really shock me. Um, the Gary Ablett situation, um, also, that was after my time sort of with him, yeah. I suppose. So, um, you know, some of the other things that have happened that people don't know about would probably shock you more, to be yeah. honest, if they'd been made public. So, nothing bad, bad, but just drunken episodes of, you know, peeing yeah. on windows in shopping centres or something like that, you know, but if you'd found out who the player was, you'd be in total shock. But in these days, you can't do those sort of things because no. everybody's got one well, of these I was things. In Chapel I was in Chapel Street at 10 o'clock this morning, dropped my partner off, drove 20 metres down the road and saw an old lady swerve and run over two girls on bikes. Yep. Um, I went to stop, but as I did, people got out of their cars yep. and I thought, look, I, it'll cause a scene if I get involved. Yep. What do you reckon the four people who jumped out of their cars, the first they, thing they did? Let me guess, they grabbed they their phone. up their phone the and... Two girl, the two girls were laying on the ground, one of them not in a great way. They were filming it on their phones. See, I've, I been, went, well, I've, been, I've been passionate about, you know, with young kids, a lot of the fights at school being filmed, etc. And my sort of per perception of it is if you're standing there with a phone... Yeah. and you're filming it, it should be, you're almost to a degree an accessory to it. Yeah. Because if you're not, if you're deliberately going in and not trying yeah. to, it makes it, it makes yeah. it very, very I tough. I tend to agree. Um, what are the biggest myths about being a player manager? Uh, the biggest myths? Um, I think that one of the biggest myths is that you just protect your player at all ends. And I, I was never like that. I was like, no, what it is, it is. And black and white, till it as it is sort of stuff. Yep. You know, if not... Just if you've stuffed up, I'm not going to stand there and protect you just because I'm your agent. I'll do what's best for you. Yeah. And best for you is to tell the truth. And this happened accidentally one day, but a player came into my office who, who had been indulging in something that we thought wasn't right. And um, he knew or he expected that I was going to say, what are you doing? What's got to stop and everything else? And I... And um, I said, for some reason, I'm going out to make a coffee. It's going to take 90 seconds. When I come back, if you lie to me, this is what's going to happen. You're at the top of the pyramid. And underneath is your wife, your kids, your, your brothers, your sisters, your family, your teammates, the sponsors of the club, the coach and everything else. If you lie to me, this is what's going to happen. And when he came back in, he said, Rick, this is what I've been doing. I went, well, if I'd said to you, you've got to stop, he would have denied that he was doing it. But he actually admitted to what he's doing. So I used that for the next 20 years, and or not probably heard, 20, yeah. probably 10 of the 20 years. And it was very successful. I remember you talking about the pyramid in the in the in the um, open mic one. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. And I think it's actually got a yeah fair point. You're yeah. sitting at the top, and I think that's yep. the thing is that you know the players get put on pedestals. Yep. Most things were rectifiable back in the day when I managed players. So if you made a mistake, it was rectifiable by apologising. 
um, is rectifiable by um, agreeing not to ever go down that track again, etc. These days, things aren't rectifiable because you get a life sentence now. If you're yeah. a, if you're a, a high-profile sports person, look at Israel Folau. Now, I don't agree with what he said. I'll be very open, but, but it's freedom of speech. He has a religion, and it was a religious statement. It wasn't hatred, I don't think, on, on gay people or transgender or anything yeah. else. And yes, sure, they have every right to be offended, and I agree with it, but guess what? There's plenty of transgender and gay people who have bagged the shit out of AFL players and everything else, but no one says anything about them. No. So there's this, this minority do-gooder world we live in now that's just out of control. It's out of control. The, um, oh, you mentioned something a moment ago, and I was going to ask you about that. Um, yeah, you see a lot of play. You see, and one, I don't know about you, but... I'll tell you a funny story about Mike Carey, though, yeah. when I asked uh, Tony Sheen, Mike Sheen's son the other day, who he barracked for. And he said, oh, I barracked for North Melbourne, but I lost total interest when Wayne Carey stopped playing. I yeah. said, yeah, so did my bank account. Fair <laughs> enough. Hey, the thing, now, you actually mentioned Wayne. I'm, I'm not going to go into all that sort of stuff because, hey, you know, yeah. there's a thing called Google you can search yeah. into all of that. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to quickly find out about was, you know, these days, a player makes a mistake for whatever reason. They have to get up in front of the media or in front of the uh. club and make an apology. Except, who is that? Well, I'll give you a good example or? of... Um, and I'm sure he won't want me to mention it, but the player who has just come out of retirement and playing with a Sydney team made a mistake three years ago, and it was filmed by an idiot who yeah. put it on social media. A, a so-called mate. Now, yep. everybody wanted him to come out and make an apology. I said, no, say nothing. Just say nothing, because whatever you say is the next story. So if he comes out and apologies, the headline would have been so-and-so apologised, or he admitted to doing something. Say nothing. Say nothing. Now, I know when I made a big mistake seven or eight years ago, I was told by a very, very, very successful businessman, high-profile person in the music industry, do not say anything. Just shut up. Yeah. But I responded to everything because that's my way to fight back. And, and because I was being wronged and lied about, I fought back. If I'd said nothing, it might have gone away in six months. Yeah. It now it went for four years. Now it goes away in two weeks because the next story comes up all the time. And that's the thing. When I, when I spoke to Justin, he, he copped 16 weeks. Yeah. But he's almost had like a 20-year sentence. Yeah, that's right. Whatever, like I said, the, the, the issues and so forth with yourself was eight, nine yeah. years ago. But we, we, we're oh, I've had it lately. I'm, I've got this kicking... I've, I've raised over three and a half million dollars for people with cancer the last three years. Mm. I've got this massive kicking for cancer footy game coming up in July, which is going to be huge. Yeah. Uh, the response has been out of this world. I even had Greg Williams, who's, who's a Drew Brownlow medalist, going to come out of retirement and play in the game yep. for, just for me to help me. I won't mention the organisation, but a very big cancer organisation. We offered to put our funds all to, and they yep. said, "Ricky, this is amazing. You've done this is great." Ricky, I got a phone call back to say, oh, "There's a lady on the board who said it's not not a good look to be involved with you." And I said, "Will you go back to that lady on the board and tell her the 5,000 people that are being helped with with the funding from this and cancer don't deserve this." I mean, to, to single me out and say yeah. we don't want to be involved with someone like Ricky Nixon is just absolute underwrites what this world's come to and the, and the certain people in Australia that are bloody do-gooders. But that's what we said earlier on, where we focus so much on the negative and rather than the good yep. things, because the whole, if it bleeds, it leads mentality. The best thing that happened, though, was my son went, you know what, Dad? Because I was going to fire up. I was going to do something about yep. it. I was going to mention it on social media. He goes, Dad, just move on. And from now on, don't even me I'll go to them and, and tell them where the funding is. And we've done a great deal with a business today, which will be announced in two weeks' time. Yep. And because they... They don't want to hear about seven or eight years ago. They they want to get on with helping people who got cancer tomorrow. That's all you want to do. Oh, you know it's. I think it's thirty three thousand people in, die a year, and just in Victoria, in Victoria, 
You know, this is out. Of, cancer's out of control, and any if any dollar raised is only to the benefit of other people. It's not nothing to do with me. Yeah. Uh, some people are just you know they, you know what it is. It's people who have got sad lives who unfortunately have probably been hurt by men or women in relationships yep. and things like that, and they they live a miserable life sitting at home or whatever else or on sitting on boards. It doesn't matter, and their only way to vent their spleen is to hate on other people. They don't want to see you happy, but guess what? They no. won't beat me because you wouldn't meet a happier bloke in the world than well, me. If they're not happy, then no one else can be happy. Nah, mate, I, I, I'm just lucky I've been blessed with genes from my grandparents and parents, which is get out of bed, get up and get on with it. And that's what I do every day. Um, well, getting up and getting out of bed, because you're looking like I said, we've just had a bit of a chat about a, a couple of different bits, and I'll, I'll cut that bit out. But um, one of the ones I wanted to ask you about is with your with Flying Start and all the people that you managed... Yeah. What was the, obviously we we found out what started it. What was the trigger to sort of it, you know, still not still doing it? You weren't obviously. Oh, you mean not doing it now? Yeah, not doing it now was it? Because the way I was treated by something that I was in my private life that everybody thinks they know what happened but don't know what happened. Yeah. Where anyone's got the right to terminate my employment and 29 people's employment, Flying Star, and then eight months later the police come out and go, I didn't do anything wrong, didn't do anything illegal. Do you reckon they reinstated it? Do you reckon they even... Oh. Do you reckon I got one phone call no. to say, are you okay, Ricky? I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. And when people high up in football say, we want you back in football, we want you back in football, I say, you'll never get me back in football. As long as I live to this earth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on yep. and I'm looking for new mountains to climb. And that's about to happen in the next two weeks. Was there... Um no, from a how can I say from a, a friend's perspective, because you would have had a lot of friends at that yep. time. But did did you keep many? Well, are there ones that you? Like I, I think the biggest thing that really stands out to me is that the majority, the friends I thought would stick by me did, and then I'm talking about some very high profile people, and but also the people in the street. Yeah. And then there's people who come up and apologise in the last few years that they felt that at the time they didn't know what to do, and the cl- these are players, and that they felt really guilty after the way I'd helped them through their career. Yeah. And there's just the odd player here or there who's it's all my fault. Yet that one player, ironically, was the fundamental to the whole problem in the first place. So I won't go into that nah. because I don't I don't want to say like I'm contradicting myself here. I don't go back. I move forward, and I'm I'm not worried about him or anything else. I'm getting on with other stuff. Yeah. Is there any players now that you you, you would say you, if you can mention names, but who you like you the you're close you're close with oh probably matthew richardson's been you know a great friend for a long time wayne carey of course yep gary Ebler, who i don't see a lot of because that's just him and he, he likes to keep to himself um but those bigger name players are probably the ones that you know i'm something the closest to but probably because you dealt the most with over the years well, i was gonna say is it because you stuck in but as time goes on that you know they've got older they've got they've got married they've yeah. got kids you know and my kids are 27 and 23 and monsters yep. you know and you know, but yeah, it was bloody hilarious at Christmas. Like Wayne Carey gave my son Mitch a, a jumper, which was you know the size of a football yep. when he was four years old. Mitch is six foot three and like uh, probably nearly hundred kilos, and he had that brought the jumper out. And, and Wayne and Wayne texted a message back saying, oh, "I remember Mitch and Lewis." And for him to say yeah. that, come into my house in Mooney Ponds, and I gave him a jumper. Yeah. That, that's great stuff. You know. Are you happy to see the way that he's? Um yeah, because he, he obviously had his oh, I think challenges done a in the great way job. that he's come back. He's a bit different to me in respect to he doesn't like to talk about things much and uh, good on him. I think he, look, I think his commentary on football is second to none, to be honest. I think it, it's great. It's probably the best to listen to for five miles. Do you reckon players, like you were talking about the comment, you are talking about the players, how they usually come out with the same bits and pieces time and time and time again. Yeah. 
Written commentators are pretty much the same, but they keep rolling out the same. I think the problem is is that footy's 24-7 now, nothing special. I mean, you used to tune into the footy show once upon a time because the teams were on it. Um, they'd talk about certain things. Eddie would break a story every Thursday night, so you'd be glued to it. Now a story's broken every 10 minutes. Well, they no, were pulling no, in million-dollar million dollar viewers yeah. every week. Now yeah, they're, right. they're struggling to get 100,000. Well, uh, I think people have got to realise that not many people watch free-to-air TV now. I mean, the main thing they watch is the news or live sport and yep. reality shows, that's it. Yep. So things like the footy, even though the front bar's been very successful, but I think that's been successful because they, whether they set out to do it in the first place or they got lucky, doesn't matter. But they've tapped into what social media is about, short, sharp and quick. Yeah. And that's what it is. And, and Mick Malloy and Pangy and, and um, Andy Ma do a great job of just bang, 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 bang. It's not this rant and rave on for ages nah. about stuff. So. Well, they started off as a web series. Yeah. And then it went to the after yeah. footy, then it turned into what it is now. Yeah. No, it's good. It's perfect. Yeah. And look, and it's, I think the good thing is they don't actually focus, if you look at it, they don't actually focus yeah. much on yeah. the current footy. They, no. It's, it's just Well, ironically, different. I went to the footy show with an idea to, to talk about um, get my, the ex-players that I know and get a funny story of me so we can put it on the footy show and mm. they said no it won't work and then two weeks later the front bar front did bar it front bar started yeah. yeah and um and look where that's going and yeah. funny enough that's on tonight no. yeah um you still doing stand-up no i'll look yes and no as you know when i do my um footy clubs each weekend or every thereabouts is i do a 10 minute spiel yeah but i found the biggest thing everyone likes is taking the piss out of the boys at the footy club so i've perfected yeah. that a little bit so so i don't do stand-up comedy shows and stuff but people need to understand why i did that in the first place yeah, what, was what's the reason behind i was that? sitting in rehab in queensland and um saw on tv the hardest thing to do in the world is public speaking i went oh that's not that hard i do that anyway and then this bloke said no it's not the hardest thing to do in the world is stand-up comedy so i went that's it if i'm going to get out of this shithole i'm in mentally and everything else then i'm gonna do stand-up comedy the herald sun wrote a double page spread on the unfunniest bloke in the world people should protest against me i had 400 people at three shows in a row 1200 people dave yeah. hughes had 12 at his first show and six walked out at half time that, that, i can yeah. see that Might and um you know so once again i see it as i set out to do it it was successful i don't but uh, it's not what it, where i want to be and where I want to be is in a few weeks from now, and that's starting a, a, a um, health business, which I don't want to detail just don't now because I'm going to launch it, but yep. it's going to be fantastic, and I'm very excited about it. It's helping people um, get health checks immediately at work, mm -hmm. and, and it's going to be great. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. A um, couple of things before we finish up, because I can't believe we've almost been down 45 minutes. Like, right. we, just, yeah. we just took it on. But if you had to give you some advice, like if you had to go back to 20-year-old, making your debut, you're walking in, you're about to present yourself, your own jumper. Yeah. What advice would you be giving to yourself? I think it's pretty much what I said. You've got to find your, it doesn't matter if it's local footy or not. I have a lot of local footy players saying, you know, what, what can I do to be better? You've got a weapon, use it. You know, if it's your kicking, if it's your running, it's your marking, or to use it. Don't focus on the stuff you're not good at, like coaches try and get you to do. Make sure you capitalise on what you're good at. I mean, yep. Greg Williams didn't win two Brownlow medals by taking speckies in the sky or, or bursting out from full forward. He did it because he wins the hard footy, and his, his skills were elite. His foot skills and his handballing was yep. absolutely elite. So you've got to focus on what your weapon is and use it to your advantage. Um, also, you've got a, uh, a course you have as well, a course for people looking to become yeah, player Yeah, I do a six-week well. course on how to be a sports owner. It's been going for, I think, 17 years now. 17 I've years. I've changed it each year to make sure it's up to date. Yep. But what I have changed, I've got record amount of people. I usually had take about 15 to 20 people. I had 46 do it over Christmas, or January, February. But I've just changed it so that you can do it in your own time now, so you can start any Friday. Yep. So um, if anyone's interested in doing it, just um, email me at info at rickynixon dot com dot au and i'll send you out the info and you can start any friday it costs 350 dollars or if you're a student or whatever i do it 250 
beautiful. Yeah, but the people who do it who don't, you know, they, they use it like contract negotiation as a subject or recruiting or crisis management, yeah. all that. It all works into the business you work in as well. It's not just about, and it's not, I emphasize, don't get your heart set on managing AFL players. There's a massive amount of opportunity out there with women's sport, um, big bash cricket, cycling's really big, especially overseas. Sports you don't even think about, golf. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, and the thing with the 40, 46 or seven where we did it last, last couple of months, uh, probably 20 of them were women. Yeah. Well, one of the big things that um, you sort of work in is the local footy. And when I say local footy, you know, people from Queensland, you know, Victoria yeah. go to Queensland or vice versa, etc. Yeah. Is that just a byproduct of the course? And once again, what you saw as a, an opportunity when oh, it's, just, it's basically sort of a byproduct of getting a life sentence from the media and knowing that I'm told by PR experts you can't do anything in Australia for six to seven years. It wouldn't matter what you do, you'll get shot down, you'll get kicked in the head. So go and do something different. And after six or seven years, you'll be surprised how certain people who, are, who, are, who want to kick the shit out of you go, oh, are you okay? Can I help you, Ricky? Can I get you back up and going again? Yeah. And that's been happening of late. And I, I, I can't believe it. It's the attitude of Australians. Time, time, um, I think time to a degree heals all wounds. I think to people in Australia like to see you making an effort. Um, and for me, making an effort is getting out in the community and helping people and local footy and things like that and I enjoy it it's people it's not been done since I stuffed up I've yeah. done it all my life yeah. and you know no one contributed more to charity work when I managed top players than me you know at my own expense most times I'd buy Wayne Carey jumpers have to pay for them and get them signed and give them to the Royal Children's yeah. Hospital and stuff do like do that do you find it a bit of a shame that you know a lot of regional communities regional football communities are biting the dust doing the fold it seems to be every Every week, or every couple I of weeks. I think the problem is, is that you know the big regional cities are just getting big. Like when I left Benio, they had thirty-five thousand people. It's now one hundred and thirty-five thousand. You know, it's bigger than Ballarat, and these regional centres are dominating. The football leagues are dominating, so the little country towns can't keep up can't now. Keep up. They can't attract players there, and it's a shame. And also, the kids on the farm, when they get to 16, 17, they're going to university or seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. They're off to university. They don't hang around now and mow the sheep and. Yeah. Um, skin the sheep, brother. Even f- even from the local, like from a local football perspective, do you yeah. find that the money's just is it is it, is it out of control? What's being thrown uh, around look, at yeah, a local level? It just level, comes back to some clubs are lucky to have um, benefactors. Or, you know, might be a big farmer who's done really well, and he throws in that, you know, fifty grand a year. That suddenly yeah. changed that club at that in that Certainly. league. Yeah. And then in Melbourne, you've got ones. Who, there's a couple of very prominent clubs who've won, you know so many flags the last five years, oh, but it's getting boring because they're winning by 100 points. Because why? They're spending 400 grand, 300 grand over what they're allowed to on the side, and it's it's ruining these lo- local competitions. But it's, it, it's it's okay and great for them, but you've got yep. another seven or nine clubs playing against them, and they're yep. turning up going, well, what are we, what are we doing this for? Yep. We can't, you can't compete when, yeah, there's a, when, when they're the open checkbook itself. Yeah. Um, I've got one, two, two last things to ask. If you had to put together almost Club 10 2.0, yeah, like now, this, this is yeah. one of the things that I'll. Who like, and that's going from from now or yeah. maybe in the last. Who, who would be? Your, oh, I think. The, who would you look at? I think in, this is not having a, an indictment on Gary Abbott Jr., but he's probably at, at the end of his career. Yeah. So, but if you know, we we'll go back four years we'll ago. Go back, we'll go back be, five or so years ago. I'd yeah. say if he went back four or five, you'd definitely say Gary Jr., uh, Buddy Franklin, Dangerfield, Fife. Um, and then after, I say this every Saturday night when I speak, reel off 10 to 15 superstars in the game and everyone goes, oh, you know, they say those ones that I just said, but yeah. then after that it stops. And if you said Patrick Cripps, you go, well, look, he is a great player and he could win the Brownlow this year, but 
he's only been around for a couple of years. He hasn't been around for seven or eight yeah. years and dominated. And you know, he's yet to be tested probably once once a club gets up high. Look, I think he's an absolute star. Um, but who's the rest? I mean, if you go to you go to Hawthorne even at the moment, there's no Cyril Rioli. There's no. there's no Luke Hodge at his peak or Sam Mitchell. Um, yes, Burgoyne's a great player, but he's at the other end of it as well. You know, there's there's not a lot of players that you. I'm going to go and watch. I, I don't I, see I think a superstar is anyone that yeah. you go and watch who's not part of your team. I don't see one, play, one player in the competition, even Gary Abbott or Dangerfield or anyone who's got magic. I don't see any anyone. Only Buddy Franklin wants every ten games. They're not allowed to be. They're no. not allowed. Gary to be Ablett would do it every week. So would Wayne Carey. You know, there's no magic in the game anymore. There's no freakish. Like, one player will kick a freakish boomerang goal from the boundary, but doesn't kick six during the day. No. He just kicks that one, and everyone thinks it's fantastic. And but it's, it's a shame one. It's a shame now that when we think a bag is, what, four or five? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, the guns were doing that in the yeah. quarter. Yeah, that's right. These yeah. days. You know, yeah. you don't see players like the good old days when Tony would have been down at Moorabbin and players yeah. going from one end of the ground to the other. Oh, just yeah. to kick. oh, he's kicked, oh, he's kicked a lot. He's, he's had a bad week. He's yeah. kicked ten. Yeah, that's it. Um, Warren Kappa? Yep. Oh, look, Warwick's a great friend of mine, and um, people forget he's one of 16 players ever to kick 100 goals. One of 16. Is there only 16 that have only done it? Only 16, and people tend to forget. They see the funny, zany, crazy Warwick Kappa, but people forget. He, he took the mark of the year 50 times, probably, and um, an amazing footballer, a different person who, who's very popular out in the speaking circuit, and uh, no, he's a good friend. He's a good friend? Yep. You've spoken about Wayne. Yep. Uh, ben Cousins don't speak to, don't see. Not of late, um, because I, it's just in a, a you know situation now where uh, it's got to where most people are, I wouldn't use the word walked away, but it's leave Ben to his own, and he, it's the ball's in his court. Everyone's tried for ten years, no one's been successful, um, so the, it's up to Ben. So it goes from accountability to, to yeah. basically his responsibility. Yeah, of now. course it is, and, and that happens to most people in his situation. So I hope for Ben because he's a great friend, and you know I did speak to him last week. Is is um, I just hope for his sake that things turn, but it's it's very difficult situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to quickly wrap up, is there anything that you wanted to, to share that we haven't spoken about? Oh, just probably, you know, people who are listening at, you know, this big kick for cancer games on the 7th of July, Sunday, at Trevor Barker Oval. Now, Trevor Barker was my hero. Um, passed away from cancer at 39. Um, I'm helping two young, three young blokes at the moment in their 20s who have got cancer, and it's horrible disease. So this football game is made up of people who have had cancer or representing a family member who's lost. So 25 of the 50 players will be that. The other 25 players, uh, I just got to be very careful, can't announce their names. Let's no, just say they're the to. biggest names, and if anyone can get him to play footy, it's me. Other, yep. the other people ask him to play in games, but the game's going to be four 15-minute quarters of fun footy for the for the people to come along and enjoy. And the idea is you bring your family along, and we're gonna we've got a special thing happening at the end of the day to commemorate someone you've lost. I can't say what it is, but That's it's right. going to be very special, and people all around Australia will be able to be involved in it. So. Awesome. Um, and also we've got a, a major charity we're going to get behind, which is new way of helping people with a cure for cancer, which that'll be announced in the next few weeks. So get down to um, Trevor Barker Oval. The website's going to be up and going in two weeks. You can buy your tickets on there. Yeah, definitely. And we'll um, throw uh, a link up on our Facebook page yeah. to it as well. Uh, fantastic. Too. Like I said, um, I can't believe we've already had an hour. Um, yeah. First and foremost, thank you. Most no importantly, the, um, the legacy that you have left has changed the way football is. I don't, don't care what anyone else says. It's changed the way the football has it is now. Um, and like I said, my iconic images of mid-90s and 2000s, you know, you've got a big part to that. So I say for myself and a lot of other people, thank you very much and yeah, appreciate you. your time on Lace Out today. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Take care, mate. Well done, mate. Ta.
Let's get it.